Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. Good morning. It's good to see you. It's good to see you folks too. I, I was thinking about when I was driving over here, we first planned this for almost two years ago. And then we had a pandemic and some other stuff that got in the way, but here we are. And I actually was thinking about this message that I was coming to bring. And I was thinking, gosh, I've been carrying this around for almost two years. And I suddenly felt this pressure because I thought, man, this better be good. Because I mean, it's just been hanging out there, ruminating. And Milt then told me that I had to make it short. But Milt's not up here. I tell you, it is so much fun for me to get to be here. You know, when a pastor and his wife come to a church, they fall in love with the committee. They meet the people on the committee, and they know that they're talking to the very best that church has. Nobody puts together a pastor search committee and says, let's put our five best cranks on that committee, because that'll get us what we're looking for. So you fall in love with that committee, and then you get to the church hoping that they're going to be just as loving as that committee is. And the fact that you're here 30 years later, even though they got a free Sunday out of you, you fell in love with these people. They fell in love with you. And together, God's done a really good work. So this morning, if you'll let me, I, I want to preach a little bit different kind of message. I want to talk to you but I want to talk to you and when I talk to my friend. Because that's what Milt has been, and that's, Ed, who you are for me. Is you're my friend. And uh, I, I can't think of how different my life might be if I hadn't met you. And I think about the different times when I've walked through some challenges that you were just a good encourager. One of the things, Ed, that you do exceptionally well is you know how not to talk. Sometimes you just need a friend that sits with you and doesn't talk at you. And so I just want to talk, but I'm not going to talk at you. Okay, yet I just want to talk with you. But I thought of all the places to go in Scripture that would speak to this moment that we're in together as a church family, I think of 2 Timothy because when I see 2 Timothy as I read through it, I read through a passage of Scripture where Paul is writing his final letter. And you know, when you get your last words, you often get your deepest and your richest words. And in 2 Timothy, Paul is reaching out to someone he loves dearly, a, a fellow pastor, someone that he chose, that he cultivated, that he poured into. And he is speaking to him as a colleague, as a friend, as someone that he loves, someone that he has counted on, and he gives him final words to make sure that he lives by as he continues in his ministry. And I want to ask you to look with me in 2 Timothy chapter 2, two verses, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Allow me to read this to you. It says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. 
Let's pray. God, in this moment that we have together as we are remembering the the blessing of walking in a legacy that has now extended more than 30 years. We're very mindful as we read this particular passage, Father, that Paul is writing to someone he dearly loves. He is speaking to a fellow pastor. And yet, through the generations, this has been a passage that others have turned to to say, if I'm going to live a life of impact, how do I do it? If I'm going to live a life, that impacts the lives of others, that glorifies you, Jesus. How do I do it? And Paul gives us those words, and we thank you for them in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Paul says, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The reality is that anybody that comes to serve a church comes to serve the church for a season. And in that season, some are short, some are longer, but in that season, choices get made on whether or not it is going to be a fruitful ministry that is multiplied in the lives of other people or if it's going to be an exalting ministry of the pastor. But for eternal impact, it can never be about the pastor. It can't be about his wife. It can't be about the staff. It always has to be about God's people being multiplied into you. And one of the marks that I have seen inside this church as I have listened to your staff, as I've heard the heart of your pastor, as I see the way priorities are set, I know that there is a high level of focus and commitment that your lives be different because you've met Jesus. And so I want to talk to you about how you can live a life of impact because sometimes what we do is we say, I'm not a preacher. How can my life be a life of impact? I mean, I wash cars or I, I'm a carpenter or I work down in the cafeteria. How, how do I have a life of impact? But the reality is, is that you have a life of impact on purpose. It doesn't just happen. You make some choices. And so I'm going to take that word impact, I'm going to make an acrostic, and I'm going to just give two things out of this acrostic because I want us to learn what the word has to say to us about living a life of impact. And there's two choices that I would put in front of you today. The first choice is this. It's important to keep the main thing, the main thing. If you want to have a life of impact, if a pastor is going to impact a congregation, if as a people we're going to impact each other's lives, it's going to happen eternally as long as we keep the main thing, the main thing. Well, what's the main thing? Not a what, it's a who. And his name is Jesus. If Jesus is our heartbeat, if Jesus is our heart's desire, 
We keep the main thing the main thing. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, as Paul wrote to another church, let me read this to you, beginning in verse 7. Paul, talking about his life, said this, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all the things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And then let me just drill a bit into verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and that I can share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I might attain the resurrection from the dead. And Paul would say to us, if I want to live a life of impact, let me tell you what it's about. It's about us making the decision that everything is always going to start with Jesus. That Jesus is going to drive what we do. Jesus is going to lead us where we go. That Jesus is the hope that we hold on to. And that Jesus is all that this is about. When you got here, you didn't have this building. Some of you, how many of you were here when Ed got here? When Ed said he showed up? Okay. Did you have this kind of seating? A little different. Kept you awake though, didn't it? Yeah. God's done all these kind of things, right? I was thinking about that. I was driving in Magnolia. The changes that have taken place. But no matter how nice the building, no matter how big the crowd gets, I will tell you, it doesn't matter unless Jesus is at the very core of all that's done. We are told to seek him with all our hearts. We are called to know him with all our being. We are called to love him with all we are. And we are called to serve him every moment of every day till the very end. This church makes an impact because it's decided that Jesus doesn't belong just in these four walls, but it's to go outside. And impact this community. Your life makes an impact because you decided to plant in somebody else the hope that is found in Jesus. A little bit earlier, I was visiting with the brother over there, and we were talking about the Old Testament and the impact of the Old Testament. And I, I shared with them the, the impact on my life of growing up in a home where some of my earliest memories was sitting at the kitchen table with my mother and her friends as they would discuss through the Old Testament all the places that God worked and all the places that Jesus was revealed. I still, even to this day, I love the Old Testament. I read the Old Testament as often as I read the New Testament. I love it because it's the root from which the fruit came. And I don't know that my mother's friends understood the impact they had on that little eight-year-old boy or that 10-year-old boy or when I was 12 or when I was 14, but I will tell you that when I got home, I always was ready to be at that table because I met Jesus at that table. Your life makes an impact when you choose 
to bring the living Jesus into the life of someone else. And this church and this pastor, his wife, have made an impact because they said it's not going to be about us. It's going to be about Jesus. You can meet me and meet nothing. You miss him, you've lost everything. It's always about Jesus. It's a choice to keep the main one, the main one. There's another choice, and that is to act on what matters and not on distractions. There's a lot of things in life that can distract you. But as a believer, we are called to walk in step with the Holy Spirit in such a way that our life focuses on those things that really matter and not get distracted by those things that are nothing more than unnecessary details. Somebody cutting you off in traffic may be a growth opportunity for you. But ultimately, it's just a distraction. The fact that you are gifted in standing in the line that is the shortest and the wait time is the longest, that's just a distraction. But not taking time to know somebody, not understanding that that moment that you're in with someone has eternal impact in that conversation, not realizing that the person that is checking you out at the grocery store, that when you use their name and ask how they are doing and make eye contact and actually care about them, that's never a distraction. We have to act on what matters and not on the distractions. In Hebrews chapter 12, another writer said it like this, beginning with verse 1. Therefore, since we have surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay also aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne. Lay aside those things that weigh you down. You know, one of the tremendous blessings of getting older, and I'm looking forward to being your age, one of the <laughs> tremendous blessings of getting older is you really start learning what just doesn't matter. There are things that you thought was important early in life that you found out meant nothing. I mean, I remember the first time a girl rejected me. Oh, that broke my heart. I'm telling you, it, it, it really did. I'd asked her to marry me. She said no. But I don't think it had worked out. The age difference, I was six, she was five. <laughs> and when Ginger said no to me, I just thought, golly, what am I going to do now with my life? But do you know it worked out? We can all look back at things that we thought were important at the time that now mean nothing. I tell you, there's nothing more heartbreaking than living a life 
that you look back and realize you spent your life chasing or trying to attain what is ultimately nothing. Amass a fortune, lose your soul. The reality is, is that we have to act on what matters and not on distraction. Paul told Timothy, entrust a faithful man who will be able to teach others also. Folks, that's one reason why I love this church family because as I was working with your staff and as they were forming a vision statement, as they were looking at it, one of the things I kept hearing from is, is, is this, we are a generational church. We value every generation. And every generation has a contribution to make. Every generation is going to be honored here. This will be a great place for every single generation. And I'm so grateful for that because I will tell you, we need those that are older to share with those that are younger, but not with a wagging finger. I don't know if that appeals to you, but if I woke up in the morning to a wife doing this all the time, I would discover a second bedroom. But the reality is, is that there is such an impact that happens when somebody that's further down the road than you values you, sees you, and can commit into your life words of encouragement. Man, I, I, I confess, according to commercials on TV, I'm getting older. Because I'm that guy that in a grocery store or in a store or even a parking lot, I will stop a young couple that's got, you know, a two-year-old and a one-year-old and an undetermined that's coming around them, and I will stop and say, you're doing great. I know it's overwhelming right now, but you're doing great. I've heard you. You're a good parent. Just keep loving your kids. Because I can remember what it's like to be frazzled. And just to have somebody look at you and say a word of encouragement in a moment of challenge can make such a difference. I just want to ask you, who is the last person that you unexpectedly encouraged? You're good at that. More than once, my phone is rung, and my friend has just said, I was thinking about you, just want to see how you're doing. I really, really have appreciated that in a world. I just want to ask you, how are you doing on acting, acting on what matters and not on distractions? I will tell you, the odds are that 90% of the emails you get, you could delete them. It wouldn't change a thing. If you've had stuff in a drawer that you were going to get to for a year, liberate that drawer. Be free. But I just ask you, who are you investing in? Who are you walking past to get to something else that you need to stop and sit down and have a conversation with? One of the things that has made this church so impacting in this community is that you decided that you were going to love Jesus well and that people out there were going to be loved well too. 
That's the reputation of this church. And there are so many things this church has done since its inception that only in eternity will you get to be able to see all the difference that you make. See, sometimes when people give, they give and they think, I'm helping pay the light bill. That's not what you're helping with. You're helping free people to minister. You're helping to help other people have a place that is safe to come and to be part of. You live a life of impact because you keep what's important is Jesus and you act on the needs of people and don't get distracted by details that don't totally matter. I I mean, I, I thought about that when we were going through the worship time and I thought, I don't care how good the worship is, somebody doesn't like a song. Somebody. And you were probably, maybe you thought, I'm going to write an email. Don't. That's a distraction. God has called us to keep what's important, important. He has called us to act on what matters and not to confuse details and distractions as critical. We just need to move forward together. And so as I think about this church, and I think about the faithfulness of this family, I can say with every confidence that you have and continue to entrust to faithful men and women what God has entrusted you with. And because of that, people know Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that you've called us to live a life of impact. And God, I'm mindful that your word tells us that the greatest impact that happens, happens because we ask Christ to be our Lord and Savior. And that from that comes a heart that flows over with the impact of your spirit coming into us of your life being lived through us and I thank you for my friend Ed and Cindy I thank you God for the way that you have multiplied your ministry through their lives I thank you for a church that caught that vision and and for small group leaders and for those on teams and those that serve throughout this community, even around the world, that have flown out of that long tradition of we will love well. Father, may we love well with all our hearts, our Savior and Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.